Hello and welcome back to Zach's Fact Shack. This is Zach, your host. First, before we get started, I want to thank you guys for continuing to listen and for reaching out to me and giving me feedback. It means a lot to be able to hear from you guys. You know, whenever you're sitting here and you're recording this podcast, you kind of just hope that what you're making is what people want to hear, what they want to listen to. Um, but and tell you, tell me, I'm kind of shooting in the blind and you know, I'm shooting in the dark and I'm just desperately trying to make make it where someone will want to listen to what I have to say on a, on a subject. And so when you reach out to me, it really does mean a lot. Um, continue to do that. If you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you have any ideas, anything, let me know by reaching out to me. You can easily reach out to me uh, on Twitter at Zach's Fact Shack. You can also reach out to me on anchor.fm forward slash Zach's Fact Shack where you can leave a video, uh, audio message for me there. Go ahead and share this podcast with your friends. Let them know what you're learning and what we're talking about and what's going on. You can do that on pretty much any platform at this point, you know, we have Apple podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, all of the platforms, uh, Stitcher is even in there. All the platforms are covered. You can hear me. You can listen to me wherever you want. Um, as long as you're listening, <laughs> that's, that's all I want you to do. Just listen and share what you learn. Reach out to me. Let me know what you're seeing, what you're hearing. This is a community that I want I want to be able to hear what you have to say. It's a two-way street. I'm giving you a lot of info, but I want to hear back from you guys. So go ahead and reach out to me. Now, today's going to be a rough episode. We're going to be covering a lot of details and trying to make sense of the tragedy that took place last week in Uvalde, Texas. This has been pretty rough. I have done my best to avoid any kind of partisan analysis. I wanted to find what the facts were, what the truth was, and nothing more, nothing less. So because of that, if I pronounce the name of the city incorrectly, I am sorry. I've only read it. I am doing my best to make sense of the word, the name of the city, from writing. And I have determined that it is Uvalde, Texas. It could be different. I know that this is near San Antonio. It's about 80 miles west of San Antonio. It's a small town. So it likely has Hispanic uh, roots. So I don't know if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, Please reach out to me and let me know if you know how to pronounce the name. Uh, But we're going to go through Uvalde. That's how I'm going to say it. I really do hope that that is correct. I am not trying to disrespect anyone. It is the limit of my knowledge. But this is where we're going to start. I want to go through a timeline of what took place on May 24th and before. What led up to all of this taking place. Were there signs? Were there anything that we could have done? Was there anything that we could have done before this tragedy, before this act of evil to stop it? That's what we're going to look into. I have seen a lot of reports on Twitter that are conflicting. I've seen a lot of things all over the place um, that say, well, this happened or that happened, or we know this, or we know that. And, and they keep conflicting and changing. So I'm not sure on 
their validity, but these, what I'm going to go through, are things that have come from uh, the police through the Texas uh, DPS uh, and several other reputable sources. Um, This is information that I have brought together from a couple of sites, one of them being the Texas Tribune and also Time Magazine. So multiple places that are pretty well recognized by the vast majority of people of being reputable on reporting of news. You can, you may agree or disagree with their politics. That's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking for the facts and the details in the case. So let's go ahead and dig into this and see what we find. So in September of 2021, the shooter, which I will not name the shooter. I am not going to be a part of the glamorization and the I guess the um, spotlighting of this monster. This monster is there. There's, there's, he will not be named here. I will not make it where somebody wants to copycat what he has done for fame. That will not happen. So from here forward, this is the shooter and nothing else. He will not get his name here. In September of 2021, the shooter asked his sister help to help him buy a gun. This is before he turns 18. The shooter asked his sister to help him buy a gun, and she rightfully refuses. In March of 2022, this is March 1st to the 3rd, the gunman sends a message on Instagram about the guns, or about guns. On March 1st, the shooter discussed wanting to purchase a gun in a group chat on Instagram. In another Instagram chat on March 3rd, someone tells the shooter, word on the street, you're buying a gun. The shooter replies, just bought something right now. On March 14th, the gunman makes Instagram uh, makes an Instagram post. The gunman makes a post with the caption, quote, 10 more days. A user commented, quote, are you going to shoot up the school or something? The shooter replied, quote, no, and stop asking dumb questions and you'll see. The investigation didn't specify what the post consisted of. So we don't know what happened 10 days later at this point. That would have been March 24th. We don't know. That's still, that's, that's exactly two months prior to this event. I don't know. I don't have any information on what took place. The DPS did not reveal the remainder of that conversation or that post. But obviously, somebody was seeing red flags. Somebody was asking questions already online. Maybe they were joking, but something in the back of their mind said, hey, this guy, he's got some problems. We need to figure out what he's talking about and whether, you know, is he going to shoot up a school? Somebody was thinking that of that already. Now we fast forward nearly two months to May 16th through the 20th of 2022. The shooter purchased guns and ammunition. After the shooter turned 18, which is the legal age to purchase a rifle in Texas on May 16th, that's when he turned, that was his birthday, that's when he turned 18. The shooter then legally purchased two AR platform rifles. So the Armalite uh, 15, Armalite rifle 15 design, the platform, 
is a very versatile design that many companies use to create firearms. AR does not stand for assault rifle. I know that many people do believe that, that's, but that's not what it stands for. It stands for the company who designed the platform, Armalite Rifle. It's a very unfortunate letter similarity, but that is not what it means. It does not mean assault rifle. So the shooter then legally purchased two AR platform rifles from a local federal firearms licensee. That means that he was able to pass the background checks. He was able to purchase the guns. Now, these, to my understanding, are Daniel's, Daniel Defense, which are, the, you have nicer and cheaper versions of these guns from different companies. Some companies create relatively inexpensive guns for four, five, six hundred dollars that are on the AR platform. They're not as well manufactured. They don't have, they, they, they tend to have a few more defects. You know, there, there's things that, you know, you, you understand, you get the nice toaster, it's really nice. You get the cheap toaster, it works, right? You understand what I'm talking about with that. It's the same way with these rifles. Daniel Defense is a cl- more premium maker. They make very, very good weapons from everything that I have read. I have never purchased one, but I understand that they are more expensive, and then they make generally pretty nice designs. But here's the thing. From what I have gathered, he purchased two rifles. And he purchased those on May 17th and May 20th. Each of them began at $1,700. Each were $1,700. Then he bought $600 sites for for either of them or for, for both. Then he bought 375 rounds. Now, I don't know if you are a gun owner and have tried to purchase ammo lately, but ammo is not cheap. It's just not. I'm not sure what 375 rounds of 5.56 caliber ammunition is, but it's not going to be cheap. All right? He went in here loaded with money, but my understanding is that he only worked at Wendy's at minimum wage and he barely held onto that job. I don't know how he was able to afford all of this equipment, but he purchased it. I don't know if he was magically able to get a very large credit limit on a brand new credit card. I don't know if he stole his grandmother's credit card. I, I, I don't know. I do know that on the day of the shooting, he did steal his grandmother's F-250, which is a $70,000 vehicle. Very nice truck. Well, actually, at $70,000, it might not be a nice truck. That could be a pretty basic truck at this point with these prices. But he, he stole that, so it would not be beyond him to steal his grandmother's credit card. Not after what te- happens here is next. On the day of the shooting, which is May 24th, the shooter sends a Facebook message to a girl he met in Germany or that he met online from Germany. And he tells her about his plans to shoot his grandmother. He goes through with these plans and shoots his grandmother in the face. The grandmother survives and gets to the neighbors and calls the police. The shooter steals his grandmother's vehicle and drives from his home 
to Rob Elementary School, which is about a two-mile drive. Now, I need you to understand that in a room of a house, rooms are not all that large in most people's houses. And you have a rifle, which is incredibly accurate because of the rifling inside of the barrel. You shoot your grandmother in the head and she survives at point blank range. I I don't know how that happens. I'm thankful that it did. But to me, it points to the fact that he had no idea what he was doing with these guns. He did not have any training with these guns. He'd never used them before. This was the first time. And he bought them specifically for this reason. At 11.28, the shooter arrives at the school. He crashes his vehicle in a ditch near the school. And as two men come from the local funeral home to check on him, he shoots at them and they flee, calling 911. At 11.30 a.m., a teacher calls 911 from the elementary school, having witnessed the, tr- uh, the crash and seen the shooter had a gun. The shooter walks around the school, climbs the fence into the parking lot, and shoots at the school several times. At 11.31 a.m., the shooter walks through the school parking lot and it reaches the last row of vehicles in the school parking lot, firing his rifle throughout. Police arrive at the funeral home. A school district police officer speeds in the direction of a person they think is the man with the gun reported by the teacher, but drives past the gunman and heads to the back of the school, mistaking a teacher for the shooter. So the cops are here. The cops are in the area, in the vicinity, and they completely miss him. I'm not saying that that was their fault. It's very easy to miss somebody in plain clothing hiding behind a vehicle. It's very easy to miss that. I'm sure that the shooter was fully aware of the police being in the area, they, they likely were going lights and sirens, right? He would have heard them. It would have been, it, he would have known to hide. At 11.33, the gunman enters the school through a back door that had been propped open by a teacher six minutes earlier. We have not heard from this teacher. We've not heard their side of the story. We don't even, as far as I know, we do not know if it's a male or a female at this point. But what we do know, what I can guarantee, is if it was me, I would be devastated to know that my actions had led to this. Not on purpose, I'm sure, but had led to this anyway. Because I would have have been just the same way. Most schools in America have a single point of entry now to prevent such things as this. They have to go through a single door which should have security at it. Multiple things have taken place that I am aware of that allowed him to circumnavigate this. In this case, a teacher who had gone back to the parking lot where where their car was had propped the door open six minutes earlier, I guess to get something from their car, The shooter enters through this open door, 
and is not encounter does not encounter anyone from the school to prevent him from going further. He uses the back door and he enters. He walks down a hallway, banging and kicking on at least one locked door before moving towards two connected classrooms, 111 and 112. Teachers Eva Morales and Irma Garcia had been screening the movie Lilo and Stitch for fourth graders in the classroom. The gunmen would fire more than 100 rounds in this, t- in this minute. Now, here's the thing. Guns are loud. And we know that he was walking around the building shooting for at least a couple of minutes. The wreck, let's go back and look. The wreck was at 1128 and he enters five minutes later. He enters the building. Why was the school not on lockdown already? What, what broke down in this moment? What are we missing? And I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm not putting, condemning anybody. But I'm asking what, went, what happened? What went wrong here that the school was not already on lockdown with all the doors shut and locked? What, who missed what here? At 11.35, two minutes after the gunman enters the school, three Uvalde Police Department officers enter the school through the same door. Two are shot, and they're grazed by shots fired by the gunman. Four more officers soon enter the building. 11.37, more shots. Another 16 rounds are fired. Officers continue to arrive on the scene. Five minutes have passed since the gunman entered the school. Six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes. At 11.43, 10 minutes have passed. And the school posts on Facebook about this. About this let me the school posts on Facebook that the school is under lockdown and then emails parents. This is their Facebook post. 11.43 a.m., Rob Elementary is under a lockdown status. Rob Elementary parents, please know at this time, Rob, Ele- Rob Elementary is under a lockdown status due to gunshots in the area. The students and staff are safe in the building. The building is secure in a lockdown status. Your cooperation is needed at this time by not visiting the campus. As soon as the lockdown status is lifted, you will be notified. Thank you for your cooperation. That is straight from the Rob Elementary Facebook page. At 11.44 a.m., 11 minutes have passed, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21 minutes have passed at 11.54 a.m. People are gathering outside the school, intention is building between parents and police. 22 minutes have passed. 11.56, 23 minutes have passed. This is a quote. Our kids, that's what we're worried about. One mother can be heard saying on a live streamed video. She adds, our kids are there, man. My son's right there. 24 minutes pass. 1158, 25 minutes have passed. A police officer pushes a man who is making a phone call outside the school, yelling at the people gathering to move across the street. Six-year-old kids are in there. 
They don't know how to defend themselves from a shooter, yells one person. 26 minutes. 27 minutes. 28 minutes. 29 minutes. It's been 30 minutes since the gunman has entered, and as many as 19 officers are in the school hallway. The student calls 911 and whispers that she is in room 112. The call lasts 1 minute and 23 seconds. 31 minutes. 32 minutes have passed now. Some students and staff members who had been locked down in the cafeteria on, on the other side of the school are able to flee. 33 minutes have passed. Some students in another classroom escape through a window. 34 minutes passed. 35. 36 minutes have passed. A helicopter is now flying above the school, giving a, a bird's eye view, and people are gathering on the streets nearby. 37 minutes. The same student calls 911 again and says multiple people are dead. 38 minutes. A police officer with a megaphone announced to the crowd outside that when the kids get moved, we're going to move them to the back of the funeral home, referring, referring to the Hillcrest Memorial Funeral Home across the street. That's where he crashed, near where he crashed his vehicle. That's where we want y'all waiting at, he says. 39 minutes. 40 minutes. The same student calls 911 for the third time. 41 minutes. 42. Members of the Border Patrol Technical Unit arrive with shields. 43 minutes. The same student calls 911 and says that eight to nine students are still alive. 44 minutes. At 12.17 p.m., the school district posts on Facebook again that there is an active shooter at the school and asks people to stay away. This is directly from their Facebook page. There's an active shooter at Rob Elementary. Law enforcement is on the site. Your cooperation is needed at this time by not visiting the campus. As soon as more information is gathered, it will be shared. The rest of the district is under a secure status. 45 minutes. 46 minutes. A different call, a different girl calls in room 111. She calls 911. She hangs up with another student, tells her to. 47 minutes. 48 minutes. Police hear the gunman fire again. They move down the hallway. Three shots are later heard over a 911 call. 49 minutes. 50 minutes. 51 minutes. 52 minutes. 53 minutes. Many students are seen walking out of the school on the other side in a live-streamed video. The man recording recognizes one of the children. Tell your mom hi. Tell her you're okay, he says. 54 minutes. 55 minutes. 56 minutes. 57 minutes have now passed. The school district posts on Facebook again that students who made it out of the school are being taken to an auditorium at the high school on the other side of town. 58 minutes, 59 minutes. It's now been an hour since the gunman entered the school. 61 minutes, 62 minutes. It's now been an hour since police entered the building. 63 minutes. The first student called 911 again. She is told to stay on the line and stay quiet. The student tells 911 that the gunman shot the door. 
64, 65, 66, 67 minutes. The school district edits its posts on Facebook to say that the students are being taken to a civic center downtown instead of the high school to reunite with their guardians. 68 minutes. People continue to gather up and down the two roads that lead to the school entrances. 69 minutes. An officer carrying a shield is seen running toward the building. 70 minutes. The student on the line asks 911 to please, please send the police now. 71 minutes. 72 minutes. A man is filming the scene from outside of the school. I've seen like 20 parents, maybe more, crying, wanting to know what's happening to their kids because there's still kids in there. And then parents see that that's, that's their ambulances. They're taking the beds in. 73 minutes. The student's on the phone with 911 says she can hear the police next door. 74 minutes. The student again asked 911 to please send the police now. 75 minutes. 76 minutes. 77 minutes. Specially trained Border Patrol officers unlock and open a classroom door using a master key given to them by a janitor. They enter the classroom and fire 27 times, killing the gunmen. Shots are heard over the 911 call. 78 minutes. The girl in room 112 is still on the phone with 911. Officers can be heard moving the children out of the classroom, including her. When the call ends, she is outside. The crowd of parents surges forward as kids are carried and escorted out. A man yells out, that's my daughter. As police officers run, as a police officer runs carrying a school, a girl dressed in pink. The toll of the 78 minute event is 19 students and two teachers dead and more than a dozen others wounded. That toll would not be released until many hours later. I want to know I I I honestly don't know how to formulate the words at this point for how angry I am. How could these officers stand by for over an hour knowing, knowing the risk to these children? I know 2020 hindsight is always perfect. But let's face it, we understand since Columbine, when I was a kid, we understand that the standard operating procedure now for an active shooter is to enter and neutralize the target immediately. These are not hostage situations. These are not... These are not... Events where time is on your side. The longer you wait, the more children will die. And the Uvalde Police Department chose to wait for 78 minutes. How is that 
I don't know how to fathom that. I was raised with the understanding that police officers were heroes because they agreed to put their lives on the line to save others. Knowing the risk of every morning putting on that badge, putting on that uniform, knowing that they might not come home that night because of what they agreed to do. And yet we sit here and watch an entire police department stand down because it was the spokesman, I guess, a a lieutenant, I believe, from the police department stated that if they had gone, if the officer had gone in, they might have been shot. Exactly. But you know what? The kids were guaranteed to be shot. Why did you let them sit there for 78 minutes? Lying in their own blood. Many who may have only been wounded if you had been there sooner are not dead. Those children now have to sit, lie, and wait. And you stand outside because you might be shot. I'm sorry. That's what you signed up for. And here's the thing. I'm not letting the, I'm not letting anybody else off either. Because here's the deal. The parents standing outside terrified for their children. The neighbors, the friends, the family. This is going to be an unpopular opinion. But here's my thing. What happened to courage? When people saw that the officers were, not, were going to be cowards and were going to stand there and wait, many people did try to go in and were arrested, tased, handcuffed, pushed to the ground. But there were far more mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters there than officers. Why were they not rushing into the building to take care of it? I know there's so many things, so many things going through everyone's head. I know that the chaos that would have ensued had the parents gone in would have been tremendous. The officers inside would not have known who these people were rushing in. But here's the thing. This goes back to the officers. You made that happen by not doing your duty. The person who made this call to stand down and wait I'm sorry, but they should be prosecuted for negligence because of their choice to negate, not negate, to neglect their duty as protectors of the community. Children died. This was incompetence. I don't know if it was a lack of training or just stupidity but this was not okay. Now, I understand that many people 
on the left side of the aisle would argue that gun control, this is, this is just pure evidence that gun control needs to happen now. The mantra is do something. But here's, here's the thing that I would, I would ask. What would you have done to stop this? People say background checks. Those already exist. Universal back, they're already universal. Everyone has to get a background check to buy a gun. Doesn't matter how many guns they buy, how often they buy it, they have to get a background check. But here's, guess what? The background check is only as useful as the data that it's using to check. And what we know right now is that blue states are not putting the info into the database for felony convictions. They're not putting data into the database on domestic violence convictions. They're not doing their job. How can the background check, universal or otherwise, how can it be better if you won't put the data in to check against? I don't understand what you want. You want to save people's lives, and I get it. That's commendable. I want to save people's lives as well. But here's the thing. The issue with this event is not the guns. The guns were there, yes, and they were a tool used. But if this kid couldn't get a gun, you know what he would have done? He'd have found another way. Maybe he would have made chlorine gas bombs and released them into the school, killing even more people. Maybe he would have gone in with a knife, which is far easier to conceal than a gun, and restart repeatedly stabbing children throughout the school. There's so many different ways that this man who was bent on killing and making himself famous, he would have completed his duty, his desires. He would have completed his desires no matter what. So if that's the case, let's look at true, let's look at real possible solutions to this. Not the same tired old take guns from people who didn't do anything wrong mantra. I know that you want to help. I know that your goal, your desire, your wish is for good. But just because you want good does not make a bad decision better. That's not how this works. Why do we not punish sober drivers whenever a drunk driver kills someone? Because they did not commit the crime. Then why would you punish legally abiding, peaceful, gun owners because of the crime of another. You can't do that. The right to defend yourself and to bear arms is protected by the Second Amendment for a reason. And it's not to go hunting. Though it's a useful secondary, hunting is not the purpose 
of the Second Amendment. The people who just wrote the Second Amendment understood that they had just fought a war to rid themselves of a tyrannical government. And if they had not had the ability to have weapons, they would have not been free. They also understood that whenever the Constitution was being written, that they, the reason the Constitution was even written was because of a rebellion that had taken place just weeks earlier in Massachusetts. And the federal government had no power because of the Articles of Confederation, had no power to create a standing army to put the rebellion down. They understood that there was a danger and a risk to allowing people to have firearms. But they also understood that the risk was far greater if people were not given that right. Now, I understand that not every country who has taken away weapons has become tyrannical. I get that. I understand that. And I'm glad. But what I will tell you is this, that every country that has become tyrannical has always taken weapons. I mean, look at, look at Australia. Australia has taken up everyone's weapons by a mandatory buyback after a shooting, a mass shooting. They took up everybody's guns. They took them away. In 2020, after COVID, which we now understand has about a 99.9% chance of survival for the vast majority of people. As you get older, that drops exponentially, but it's still pretty high, about 95%. This levels off to close to the flu for, for most countries. That's, it, it's in the ballpark of the flu and its death rate. Knowing this, Australia began to intern people by force into camps in the name of public safety. They put people in prison because they had COVID. Now, you might think that that sounds like a reasonable thing to do to protect your life. Fine. Maybe you think that. We will have to agree to disagree on that because I don't see that as a good thing. But what I do see right now is that if Australia still had their weapons and the ability to defend themselves, that would not have happened. Because there were many people who were imprisoned in those camps that did not want to be there. But the government knew that there was no defense by the people. The people would not be able to stop it. So they did it anyway. Now, when we, when we talk about mass shootings, the left always tells us that no one else has as many mass shootings as America. No one else. It's, America is the worst. And yes, America does have a lot of mass shootings. But let's look at the per capita of that. What's the per capita rate of shootings, of mass shootings, of America versus everyone else? 
We only rank 66th in the country or in, in the world. I'm sorry, in the world on the number of mass shootings per capita. The reason I use this stat is just like we were told during COVID that it was important to have per capita data to be able to compare how well certain states were doing to each other whenever they were handling COVID differently. It's, it's the same way. In fact, if you go into Europe, you're far more likely per capita to have a mass shooting than you are in America. But these are smaller countries, right? So, you know, obviously there's more shootings per capita. You're, you're right. But because America is such a large country in terms of population, it, by logical understanding and analysis, has to have more total number mass shootings than a country of 2 million. We're at 330 million people versus a country of 2 million. There's absolutely going to be more evil people whenever you have 330 million. That's, that's just obvious. But the U.S. has a lower murder rate, a lower crime rate, and a lower mass shooting rate than almost every other country per capita. America has more guns than people. And the vast majority of those guns are used to defend people between, and this is from Obama's White House, so not a right-wing conservative news outlet. From Obama's White House, this stat came out that guns are used defensively between 500,000 and 1 million times a year to stop crime. They're used defensively in a good way between 500,000 and 1 million times. The reason you don't hear about that on the news is because it happens all the time and you could not keep track of all of that data. The reason that mass shootings are always in the news is because they do happen so rarely. Mass shootings, while they are terrible, and I, I want to find a way to stop them, I think the way to stop them is to finally have the family unit restored. A mother and a father raising their children together. Because you know what every single one of these mass shooters has in common? Without exception, every single one either has no father or an abusive father. That's what they have. We need to get back to having strong, godly fathers in the house. Because without them, we will continue to see more and more of this. We will see more and more evil, evil deeds. That's the real issue. Mental health needs to be addressed. But until fatherhood is restored as a good thing, mental health will continue to deteriorate. We understand this. We know this to be true. We understand that human beings were designed to have a mother and a father. We understand this because we understand that in America, at the very least, in America, if you have a mother and a father, you don't drop out of high school, you don't have a kid before you're married, you 
will almost inevitably exit poverty. You are almost guaranteed to live above poverty. Many times becoming incredibly wealthy. Every time becoming incredibly wealthy compared to the most of the world. We already have the data that says that strong fathers raise strong men who are less likely to be abusive, who are less likely to be a danger to the world because they learn how to control their innate rage. Here's the thing. Men are perfectly capable of being beasts. They absolutely are. But whenever that, that passion and that strength and that wildness is trained, they become incredible protectors. Men can go from being wolves to sheepdogs, all by having a father who will teach them how to be men. They can go from vicious animals, predators, to defenders and protectors, all because of them having a strong father who showed them how to control their impulses and their desires and how to become real men. Masculinity is not toxic. It's missing. Real men, real masculinity is the best thing you can find. Because real men stand up and protect people. Real men go in and protect children. Real men protect women. Real men don't rape. They don't murder. They don't steal. Real men are selfless. They're humble. They're loving. They're caring. And they're strong. Whenever we fix that problem, that's when the mass shootings will end. All right, guys, this has been a long episode, and quite frankly, I can't say that I enjoyed doing this, but I am glad that I was able to do it. I was able to get this information out, and I hope it kind of clears things up for you. I know for me, I was a little bit lost on a few of the details, and I really wanted to know what had gone on. Hopefully, this helps you as you go forward and you can talk to people and you have a better understanding of what took place, but... Until next time, this has been Zach with Zach's Fact Shack. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.